Hello everyone, welcome to episode three of Inspected Goals uh, with Luke and Sam, me being Luke, obviously, I hope you realise, and it should have my name at the bottom there. Sam, how are we doing? I'm all good, thank you. Yeah, it feels like we're getting yeah, ridiculously close now to the season starting with the Community Shield this weekend. I feel like that's like the official start of the season. Um, and then we're going to watch some live football league this weekend as well, going to watch Preston play Wiggins. So it feels to me like the football season's probably starting. And it means only, what is it now, eight days until the Premier League. Um, so getting there and hopefully just on my last few decisions with my draft. So all good, yeah. How about you? Yeah, it's getting to become crunch time, isn't it? Um, guys, if you're in the chat, let us know about the sound levels, by the way. Last time we had some issues with that. Sam, you have recorded, haven't you, on the Skype for the podcast yet? I have, good, yep. good man, so you're more organised than me. Yeah, it's, um, it's nerve-wracking, it's getting close, but I still, it's still my favourite time of the season, really, to be honest, before it all kicks off. Um, but I am getting anxious for it to actually start now. I think once, once the Community Shield is out of the way, it's really crunch time, isn't it? So, um, mm. yeah, looking forward to it. So what have we got planned on this episode for you? Basically, our plan is to run through the top six sides, um, historically. I suppose you could debate some of that, but... Um, the top six sides and their players. We're just going to look through who we expect to start uh, long term, discuss the options from them. Because along with our thinking for this pod and just general is that we uh, think expected minutes is is a bit of an edge, really, um, that we can gather and gain as we go through uh, the season, um, sort of balancing that against the models. So a lot of this will be narrative theory. Obviously, until we start seeing the teams play, we'll get a, a better picture. Um, but we've talked to some fans. We've done a little bit of research ourselves. And um, we've come up with with these teams to sort of discuss. And we hope that there'll be some talking points that come out of it. Um, I can see the chat talking and they seem to be able to hear us. So that's good as well. <laughs> I'd say as well, Luke, like in, it's interesting because you see a lot of chat on like FPL Twitter about how important pre-season actually is. Mm. And I probably don't put as much value in it compared to most people in terms of the way players are playing necessarily although there definitely is some value in that for me it's the minutes is a huge part of it in terms of uh, any tactical changes and changes to the starting lineup but also minutes in terms of players building up fitness and whether we think they're going to be ready uh, to play the first game week if there's any question marks over them yeah indeed and that's that's often a, a problem isn't it because as we'll discuss when we go through these teams it's like You've got where you think the team might end up, but right at the beginning of the season, everyone's at different levels. So it might not not necessarily be the team you expect from, from game week one. And then obviously things can actually change. Players can perform in roles that unexpectedly and you know suddenly the whole picture changes. But let's get straight into it because we've got quite a lot to talk about. Um, I'm going to bring up the first two teams here, which hopefully you guys can see, which is Man City and Man United. These are two teams that I've been designated to talk about because I'm supposed to be a Man United fan, even though that's incredibly loose these days. Um, and uh, obviously, I've followed Man City. Don't blame the last few seasons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The glory support is just is just gone. Um, so I'm going to talk through these two teams now. I'm going to explain them a little bit for the pod first of all. We're going to start with Manchester United. Um, and again, this is just my thoughts, really. And also, I've spoke to Late Riser, Pranil. Um, a lot of the people watching this will know him. He's a, a big Man United fan. He spent a lot of time watching them in pre-season, and he's helped me here as well um, to come up with this team. I've kind of put the teams as if um, they're going to be in favourable fixtures, right? I don't think there's any point us putting the teams, you know, when they're going to be playing a low block versus Man City or whatever. Um, because we're not going to want to own the players at that point anyway. So this is kind of like um, perfect world scenario. Uh, 
So for Manchester United, I'll just read through the 11 for the pods. Um, I know the Martinez is wrong, Jack Walker. We just used his name because the the lineup up doesn't have everyone particularly. So we've just used him. Um, David De Gea is in goal. We've got Dalot at right back. We've got Maguire and Martinez at centre back. Uh, Luke Shaw at left back. We've got Fred uh, in midfield. Uh, we've got Ericsson and Bruno Fernandes that I'm told play as almost attacking eights. Um, and we've got Sancho right wing, Martial up top and Rashford left wing. Now, again, this isn't necessarily for game week one, but I think with, with Man United, that team will be fairly close. Um, the, what I'm told from the way they play is that they play uh, quite a high line under the new manager and they'll be pushed quite high up the pitch. Now, obviously, Martinez has only just come in, so it's debatable whether he'll be ready for game week one. He's more of a passing centre-back. Maguire in a high line, Luke Shaw, Dallow, and then Fred as a DM worries me, I'll be honest, in terms of um, <laughs> keeping clean sheets. That was never really their, their thing anyway last season. Um, I would say that because they're expected to be so high up the pitch and more of a ball-dominant team, or trying to be, there will be games, I think, where they will keep the clean sheets as a result of that. So it might be one of those things where they look like they're quite good in some games and they look quite solid and then they'll just easily be broken by certain teams that counter on them. I certainly think that from the defensive line, for me, there isn't really any options. I understand that Dallow is relatively popular because he's very cheap and he's a fairly attacking right back. His non-penalty XG numbers are terrible when I look. But, you know, I, I've seen him play. He puts in a lot of crosses. Actually went to the home to Brentford game. He was putting in a lot of crosses. Um... If I remember rightly, it's like 0.05 or something ridiculous. In fact, I'm just going to have a quick look to remind myself. Um, 0.08 per 90, uh, non-point XGXA last season for Dallow. So not exactly what you'd want. I do think that um, Fred at DM is a big problem. I don't think that's his best role. It's a it's an age-old problem for Manchester United. They just haven't had a decent DM for a long time. Um as a result, I personally think that McTominay or Van der Beek is probably likely to sit in there with Fred, or at least Ericsson hasn't played any minutes in preseason so far at all, to my knowledge. I haven't seen him on the fantasy football. If you've got a membership to Fantasy Football Scout, by the way, they've got like a, a complete tracker of all the minutes that people have played in preseason. Ericsson doesn't appear on there. So I haven't watched them personally, but he's not on there. So whether he'll be ready for game one is debatable. I think against most teams, they might play Van der Beek or McTominay in there. Um, but Ericsson's obviously a very good player. And uh, like Late Riser was saying, it's expected that he probably will play in some of the, the home, home sort of favourable games. So that midfield worries a bit uh, me a bit. You know, Fred Ericsson and Bruno Fernandes, I'm not sure they've got <laughs> the best legs or defensive capability between them. Um, I don't know what you think about that in terms of just the defensive setup for Man United, but same as you, mate. It worries me. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't worry me personally because I'm not a Man United fan. But looking at it like that, um, yeah, I think that's a concern. And and uh, I think if they don't get Dion, it's like another season where they're just not signing that player in that position that's absolutely key. Which, yeah, I know, know that's easier said than done because there's only so many um, players around who can play um, to that ability in that position as a, like, mm. a ball winner and a defensive midfielder. So it's about getting the right player. Um, but yeah, having Dallow starting it right back, I think is I'd be concerned about if I was a United fan. So from an and, and from an FPL point of view, even though we know Shaw didn't have a great season last season, um, despite that, we know he is very attacking. 
Um, there's a reason why he was like this, something like the second or third highest owned player at the beginning of last season. But I think they're so <laughs> potentially, well, were last season and potentially will be so poor defensively again. Um, I think it's unlikely that he'll be highly owned throughout the season. But who knows? That like that can all change. But all we need to know is for now. <laughs> I don't yeah. think any of those any of those defenders are an option personally. But I have seen Dallow in quite a few teams, I guess, because of his price. Yeah. I mean, in, in past seasons, if Dallow was 4.5, you'd, you'd probably think, you know, you bite your hand off. But I think um, relative to other options, it doesn't particularly entice me. I can understand why you might go there, though. I think one of the fullbacks is likely to tuck in and it makes more sense for Dallow to be the attacking one and Shaw to tuck in. I also think Malaysia is not even 100% sure that 100% sure that Shaw will play um, because uh, they've signed this uh, Malaysia guy and apparently he's quite quick. So I think he would aid with their high line. So that's a debate. In terms of their pre-season minutes, there's no real clear picture there. They've all kind of played um, mm. you know, fairly even on, the, on that front. Uh, in fact, Militia is just slightly above Shaw, I think, uh, in total. So that one's up for debate for sure. I don't think there's any options there, basically, in defence or midfield outside Dallow, personally. That's that's the headline for me. I think they'll be, because of this high line, they will be exposed. I do think it may result in them dominating some teams and scoring some goals. Pranel doesn't seem to think that Bruno Fernandes will be much of op- an option. Fields will be playing slightly deeper. Um, so that's come from him. And, you know, I think given his price... It, it makes sense to stay away from him to begin with, even though there's obviously a chance he gets penalties back now, considering Ronaldo might not be playing right because he's the, the fly in the, the ointment we haven't even spoke about yet. Yeah, I guess he'll get onto that when he moves to the attackers. But like, this was the headline there, is that today he's like returned to Manchester, hasn't he, for training, but he said to the club that he wants to release him from his contract. So you'd assume that would mean he has something lined up, but like, not necessarily. <laughs> mm, yeah. It doesn't seem like anyone wants him to play for them for, I guess, financial reasons and for what that does to a team tactically. Uh, so it's definitely an interesting one. And I don't think there's any guarantee he leaves at all, is there? It's very, very up in the air. This is it. This is the worry. At the end of the day, if he can't go anywhere and he refuses to play, then that's something that could happen, I suppose. You know, we often see these things and then they talk it round. Who knows? We'd be totally guessing there as to what goes on. So for the moment, I've kind of left him out. For the front three, uh, with Rashford, Martial and Sancho, my personal preference here is for Sancho. I think that he's, out of all of them, his minutes are just the most secure. We don't really have anyone else who can play the right wing. Like Rashford can go over there. It doesn't really work. Um, we know that his numbers from the Bundesliga were very good. We know that last season wasn't particularly good for him. Um, but I think just on unexpected minutes, he is the best option. He's, he's obviously more creative than he scores generally. Um, I was looking on review... And let's see if I can flick over to that quickly. Um, and if we sort by the top 50 midfielders in the game, according to review, over six game weeks, um, so that's the horizon, and I've sort, sorted it by total points. So these should be uh, expected to get the most points of the top of midfielders. Obviously, got Salah right at the top. Sancho and Bruno Fernandes do feature. Um, Sancho is sort of 15th, 16th, 17th, something like that. So he is in there. Points per million, he you know, suffers a little bit because he's a little bit more expensive. I don't think he is the worst ever option, but I don't think you need to go there straight from the beginning. And as a result, I think people have gone for Rashford and Martial just simply because they're a little bit cheaper. Yeah, um, the, the, the Rashford price is mad, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Not in the sense I'm saying he's going to be incredible value, but for a player to drop that much in price over one season... Um, 
is is huge. Like I do think he's over he's underpriced. Um, even though he didn't have the best season last year, but in like seasons gone by, I, I think it was a season before last. Um, like he scored plenty of goals. Was he scored fifteen plus in one of those seasons? And the way he, he did. Like, yeah, I can't remember how the exact total, but over 15 goals. I think it was like 17 or something. He did have penalties in there as well, though. Okay. Yeah. So we know he's a, a quality footballer, but it's just this interesting thing that we say that about so many of these Man United players, um, and they all happen to play in the same team. So there's obviously a common denominator there, which is the club. And whether that was a manager or whether it's the infrastructure of the club or recruitment, if whatever that thing is changes, that potentially changes the whole team and brings the best out of the players. So if the root cause of that changes, whether it's Ronaldo, whether it's a manager, whatever you think, um, suddenly there are potentially loads of underpriced assets. So that definitely makes it interesting. Mm. Um, and I agree with you on in terms of Sancho, just in terms of purely his ability. I think he's such a good player. And like I felt really frustrated last season, um, like seeing him play, but not being able to play to his strengths almost tactically. Mm. And just not quite getting there because his dribbling is absolutely brilliant. But world class, um, and to think, uh, yeah, in, in the right system with the right players around him, which it may be this season, he becomes a a, a real option. Yeah, and he wouldn't be the first person to take a while to adapt, right? We see that quite regularly. Yeah. So no, of course not, because he obviously played in England before, but only at under twenty three level. I don't think he even made. In fact, I'm sure he would have made appearances for Man City beforehand, but maybe like in the League Cup. Um, yeah. So it's not even like he's come from England, gone away, and come back. Playing in England prior to that, he was only, well, I think he was the same age group or as I think, wasn't he? They were in a very similar position. I think that's irrelevant anyway. I think just moving in general to a new club doesn't even matter if it's necessarily abroad or different leagues can 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 result in adapting to a new system, you know, new managers. Anyway, yeah. I think I just want to put a little bit of a negative spin on Rashford personally. I, I understand the price and the fact that he put, he's almost certain to start the season. My slight worry with him is, first of all, he hasn't performed very well for a long time. I think that's pretty much a fact if anyone's watched him. Um, it's not been great. So we are kind of relying on him to up his game. Everything in preseason seems to suggest that he can do that. My other worry with him is the fact that Martial is playing well and he's back. We know Martial can play on the left wing. So if Ronaldo does come back, does that then leave Rashford maybe fighting with Martial for that left spot? Maybe. I think you've got Elanga, who um, did okay last season, like he's another option in that position. Like that's well, become... well last season, I'd say for his age. Yeah, yeah, he, he's another option that in that role. I also think, given Eriksson used to play on that side, and given his age, I'm not entirely convinced he would be running a you know in this double eight system in in a lot of the games with Bruno Fernandez. Uh, like I repeat again, he's not played a minute in preseason, as far as I know, so it might be a way off. And we're only sort of looking at the first few weeks, probably. But I think if there was ever going to be a you know a player that would maybe drift over to the left side, he's another option that could do that in some games. You know, maybe you want a, a bit more control on that side rather than the more counter pace of Rashford. All these players just end up going to the left side, right? So I think that's representative in the price a little bit as well, really. Whether they meant that um, FPL Towers is a, is another question, but. Um, I think his minutes are slightly more at risk than others. I'm told by Prano he's nailed, and um, I do think he is nailed to begin the season. I just worry moving a little bit further forward. But, you know, we've always got the wild card and stuff to fix that, and their first two games aren't the worst in the world. So, um, yeah. yeah. I don't really have much else to say for Man United. Obviously, the Ronaldo thing, I'd say he could come in and change a lot of it, but um, we know that he's the manager has used a striker, a similar striker, 
uh, in the past. So I don't think it would necessarily break everything. But um, yeah, for me, it's Sancho from the attacking line if you really want to go there. Martial for now is short-term, Rashford a more short-term, and I can see the appeal. Um, and then Dallow maybe as a backup. I don't think there's any other options, but um, they're not really for me to start the season. I do expect them to score quite a few goals, though, in this system. Mm. Happy with that? Yeah, happy with that, Luke. Yeah, I don't think I have anything to add. The only thing I would say is, like, if Ronaldo does start playing, I think he'll be a similar asset to last season, and that is unlikely you'll ever loan him lo- own him long-term. But he might be the kind of player that you own on a free hit, for example, if he happens to have a really good fixture. Um, or you might own... Uh, yeah, I think that's probably the main um, time you'd own him, or like just before a wild card, if it's just for a couple of fixtures, because I think he'll still score goals. And that was the thing last season. Um, people are very black and white about it, and they, there seems to be people that like either think Ronaldo had this incredible season, and they, therefore he needs to stay at Man United because he makes them better because of his last-minute winners. And there's other people who think... Oh, despite all those goals, he actually had a really, really bad impact on the team. I, I, th- I think that's true, but also he, he played well. It's a bad fit. That's the key thing. Ronaldo did what Ronaldo always does, just scored lots of goals. Um, but it just didn't fit within the team. And I don't think it would this season either. But absolutely fascinated to see what happens if he stays. Like whether Ten Hag would actually like even like start to rotate him more or bench him. Yeah. Really, inter- really interesting. But yeah, happy to move on to... To City, I'll, make, I'll let you take the stage here because this is what <laughs> this is what people have uh, joined for a lot of people anyway, and I'll be making notes myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, prob- probably. Um, I could talk about Man City all day, and I'm, I don't want to do that if I can help it, but invariably I'm going to have to sort of talk a little bit <laughs> about it. Um, I also don't want to bang too much on about the tactics because people are here to talk about FPL and talk about the FPL options, but again, part of that is the tactics, and that has to come up a little bit, but. Um, yeah, it is what it is there. For the purposes of the pod on the screen, I've got Edison in goal, Carl Walker at right back. I've got Diaz and Ake at centre back, Cancelo at left back. I've got Rodri and Bernardo Silva uh, in midfield with De Bruyne also in midfield, slightly pushed up this season, I think. Almost a hybrid position for him. We've got Riyad Mahrez on the right wing, Grealish on the left wing, and Haaland as centre forward. Now, um, with this lineup, this is who I think will probably start the charity shield um, based on the information we have right now. With Man City, I don't pretend to ever try and pick, even when I was doing it all last season, a team for the, the whole season. I literally try to do the next week, which is why I can do it with some relative success. If you ask me to pick the team in five weeks, I think that's close to impossible for some of the positions. Um, I will say that with Man City this season, it's, it's always tough. It's extra tough in the sense that the squad has changed quite a bit. We've had some quite significant comings and goings. Um, You all know who those are, so I don't have to list them. Um, The pre-season, they've literally played two games. I think we were talking on the very first pod about some teams and how they go abroad and is it the best preparation for the players. Some of these guys have barely featured at all. Uh, We've got injury in the sense of Laporte. We've also got um, Stones, Gundogan and Foden who have uh, visa issues um, as a result of the vaccine. So that's negatively affected it um, and makes it harder to pick the team. Uh, I will start for the reasons why I've picked these guys, though, for the the charity shield. So Edison and goal, I don't think really needs explaining. I will say that I think he is a very good option just simply because his price has come down. We did cover goalkeepers on a previous pod. You know, especially if you're wild carding early, the fixtures are very good. He's secure. 
Um, it makes sense to me. I think he's a, he's a very viable option indeed. With the centre-halves, we've got Ake and Diaz to start the season. Now, I think um, at the moment, that's more to do with the fact that Stones, we don't know what's going on with him because he's not been with the group. So he's been with the under-23s. Also had a slight injury at the back end of the last season. So I don't think he'll start, but he's obviously a factor. Um, he's been immaculate whenever he's played for Man City. Um, Diaz is in there. He's also being managed as a result of an injury, but he did play the last game versus Bayern. So I think he, he starts and he is probably first choice. So I, I do like Diaz as a pick overall. I just think that Stones is coming a little bit closer to him. So it's a maybe a slight worry there. I don't think his minutes are as secure. We did see this last season where Diaz did drop in the old game, which surprised people because the previous season he was like an ever-present. He did drop on occasion in certain games. Ake, I can't see how he doesn't start. The guy's um, just been a revelation, really, in the last six months. I don't know if people realise, but he's he's come on leaps and bounds. He's been really, really good. Um, it's more to do with the fact that Laporte is injured and Ake's left-footed. And obviously the Stones thing I just mentioned. He's also had, well, in the limited preseason, we've had a lot of the minutes. So I would expect Ake will start the season. Whether what's, he's, his price, what's his price, Luke, Ake? He's five million. So it's just really interesting, isn't it? Because I've not seen him in any drafts. Yeah, you've mentioned that. Uh, I wonder if that'll change now. Because <laughs> yeah, like, I've currently got Diaz in my team personally, mm. um, but that that makes me really question that. If he around those minutes, I hadn't realised until you said that just how much of an impact Ake had had over the last six months. Um, mm. And yeah, obviously combine that with Stones and Laporte not like, not being ready potentially. Yeah, that's really I, interesting. Yeah, I think I think he is potentially viable to start the season with. And with Pep, generally his whole thing is he wants to reward players. You know, he, he keeps everyone happy in this squad. And I think it's it's uh, sort of goes unnoticed that he's got this world-class squad. And I know people moan he's got so much money and all this stuff. But they don't generally come out and moan that often, the Man City players, even when they're not playing. And he keeps them generally quite happy. I know at the end of the season he says, if you want to go, you go, like Sterling and stuff. But you don't really see it during the season. And part of that is is because he sort of said, you know, at the end of the day, if you do well in training and you play well when I play you, then you're going to get your chances. Now, Ake's, of, of anyone in the squad, has probably taken that chance more than anyone. I'm not going to kid you and say that, you know, if Laporte was fit, that he wouldn't come straight in for Ake. Um, but the longer that injury goes on, and depending on how Ake performs, there is a chance he could stay in longer than people realise. He's also, you also can play left back and play it pretty damn well as well. Um, and considering they have a general shortage in that area now with only two recognised fullbacks, both of which are really right backs. You know, Cancelo is really a right back. He he's sort of reformed himself as a left back last season. He obviously plays that very well. Zinchenko leaving, who was a left midfielder, and then we all know what happened to Mendy. They don't even have one in the squad. This is why I'm absolutely certain they will sign a left back. Um, there's news today of Grimaldo uh, from Benfica coming in rather than Kukurea. Um, I know he's good on Football Manager. I don't know him in real life. Um, he wasn't one of the old Football Managers anyway. Um, and he's left-footed. Must be good. Yeah. Um, I think they def- desperately need one because Cancelo... Um, yeah, they've just got two people to play that position, essentially. I, I do think Stones and Ake can cover at the fullback positions. We have seen this last season. So people, if people need to you know, sort of fact-check that, they can see that 
Stones was played at right back. I think it was against Brentford. I think the idea there was that um, Tony was expected to play and he drifts off to that left-hand side. Tony didn't play in the end. It was a doubt. He was like a slight doubt for the game, expected to play. Stones played at right back as a result when most people thought Walker would. Now, Walker also had his issues, right? He had issues with injury. He had that red card that Pep was extremely angry about. His friend also died as well. So you could debate, was, was it for other reasons? But I think... He used him there to sort of sit on Tony. Tony didn't end up playing. Am I right uh, in saying Laporte's played at fullback as well before? Laporte has played at fullback yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. He's used Ackett left back I mean, against Burnley, for example. Basically, the big bruiser teams. He likes to have that third centre back there if he can. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that on occasion. Out of all the teams, uh, of all of City's opening games, I think West Ham probably fit that mould the most. Where they're a bit of a bruiser team on the old set pieces, so having some extra height helps. And then also Bowen being on the right wing is obviously a massive threat. So I think Cancelo versus him, is that the best idea? I think if you put Ake there, he'd probably have a better result. Um, so that's, a... Ake, that's it. <laughs> Done, mate. So that, that's a possibility. The thing is, until they sign a left-back, they don't really have many options, that is the end of the day. Cancelo and Walker at full-back look, look the most likely. I don't know if it strikes you as it does me, but when you look at that team, it's incredibly narrow, isn't it? You've basically got Cancelo cutting in, you've got Grealish probably cutting in there, and you've got Mahrez cutting in. The width basically comes from Walker being right foot right, and that is a bit of a train wreck because we know he's not good offensively. This is why... Sorry, Karam. So I was going to say, I wonder if going forward, is that where the kind of role De Bruyne has comes into it more? Because you often see De Bruyne drift into those wide positions, don't you? So does that therefore happen more on the left-hand side as Cancelo comes inside, for example? Um, yeah, so De Bruyne, might, he's been close to Haaland, but he might have to drift out to the right to help out with the right foot a little bit. Yes, he's always, always kind of done that. Um, I think, ideally, if he's going to play this sort of setup, he would he would like that left-footed left-back and he would like Cancelo in the role where Walker is because it would be better. Um, he may not be able to do that unless, of course, against West Ham, he plays Ake left-back and then puts Cancelo there. This is why, moving on to Walker, I don't think he's necessarily an option, really. It's a very appealing price, and I do think he will, until they sign a left-back, and let's not forget that there's four weeks, and I think it is, into the season where the transfer window goes. Um, he's got a good chance to play you know, the majority of the games, quite similar to Ake, but after that, I would worry. I think he only started around 20-something games last season. Again, there were other reasons for that. But I don't think it's ideal when you're trying to get balls in the box and your uh, wingers are predominantly inverted. He doesn't really have any outside options anymore um, after selling Sterling. So I'm not really going to talk too much about Rodri, Bernardo Silva and De Bruyne. I think they're fairly much a lock in those positions that they are. Bernardo Silva can occasionally go to the front three. We know this. He has got Phillips there now, so he could potentially play Phillips and Rodri if he wants to make it more secure in some games. Um, That is an option to him. Um, De Bruyne basically is, as we all know, is the is the pick if you just want nailed minutes, really. I think De Bruyne, although he overperforms quite a lot, and I have to be, um, as much as he's a fantastic player, I always have to be pushed or encouraged to actually pick him in fantasy. I do think that he could do even better this season, just simply because his role might be slightly changed. If they're a little bit more secure at the back, i.e. when Phillips comes in now and then, if they do sign that left back to have more of a balance, then I think that he could be better as he's pushed up closer. Obviously, just the fact of having Haaland there, people say that having a striker would help him in general, which does make sense, right? I mean, if you're finding someone who's really, really good. Why is my audio chalked? People are saying my audio is chalked. Damn it. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine, Luke. Yeah. It says robotic. 
Hmm. Robotic sounds. Hmm. That's that's not good. Let me try and uh, sort that somehow. Yeah, while you sort that, um, I guess is it, like, people are waiting for you to chat about the phone, and I think. <laughs> are they really? Am I taking too long? Yeah, well, I can talk about that for a bit if you want, because you touched on it at the beginning, just while you try and sort that out, because I guess you're going to move on to it anyway. I think the interesting thing with Foden, with regards to him not training with the first team during uh, pre-season, um, which, is, which Luke kind of touched on there, is that if even if he's played with the 23s, and even if he's played like internal friendlies that are reported on, well, it's just, that's just miles off the level of Premier League football or the likely opposition as well within Premier League uh, pre-season friendlies. So even if he's got minutes with the under-23s, which I don't even know if he does, um, uh, I just yeah, he he could well not be ready for that first game. Like I wouldn't be surprised um, personally, but I'd be interested to get to see if that's also your rationale as well, Luke. Um, yeah, I'm, I'll be lying if I said I was listening because I was trying to sort the mic out. <laughs> That's right, no worries. It says it sounds, yeah, it sounds echoey apparently. Is that the same? I think I mean, it might just be yours. I don't know. Maybe people will tell me if it's uh, uh, my mic as well. They said ah. it's better. I unplugged it. There we go. Lovely stuff. Okay. Well, uh, I'll carry on from, I'll carry on from where I was. Yeah, you <laughs> filled in well done, mate. And I don't know what you said, but I'm sure it was great. I was um, just, I just touched on Foden and the fact that under 23 minutes, aren't as nearly as intense as Premier League minutes. Um, so even if he has played minutes for them in behind closed doors friendlies, which we don't know if he has, um, there's probably questions there over his match fitness. Okay, yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, moving to the front three, just on, on this for the for the charity shield anyway, um, like I said, they, all these players kind of cut in. I think the, the whole expectation around Grealish is fairly obvious in terms of he's had the most minutes of the front three um, in pre-season so far. He looks like he's come back um, pretty damn fit. And he's obviously 7 million, which is very cheap uh, for a front three attacker. There's the whole players for Man City generally take around a year to settle in. We've seen it numerous times. I mean, Cancelo himself um, was one of them. Rodri's another one. Bernardo wasn't particularly fantastic to begin with. Mares the same thing. We could argue that's never really got there, but it has been a thing for a lot of the Man City players. So the expectations there. Also, he was just he was very good last season. We have talked about this before. It's just that um, you know he had some bad variants. I mean, you only have to watch the games to see his numbers were good. You know, he's obviously an elite player in terms of ball carrying everything. There were so many times when the ball just was off the line, just near miss, hit the post. He was very very unlucky. Um, so I see the appeal there. Um, the worry really with Grealish is, is the fact that I don't doubt for a second, like you said, with Foden, that when Foden is available, that Foden comes into this team and plays the majority of games like he did last season. So if Foden comes into this team and Haaland's secure as the centre forward, because obviously Foden played there, where does he feature? Now, he usually features on the left wing. There is talk amongst the fans that he could be used on the right. Um, apparently, he's mentioned he would like to play there. I haven't actually seen this quote. And it's not like he hasn't played there ever, but it's like a very, very small percentage of his minutes. I think from memory, he came on. He was surprisingly benched versus Atletico in either the quarters or the semis or whatever, as so the Champions League. He came on, changed the game instantly from right wing, played a lovely ball, set up a goal, was great. Um, Personally, I think combine that with the fact that Mares usually doesn't last long in Pep's team in the Premier League, just because his pressing's not quite up to it. Um, then I like to think that maybe Foden will come in for Mares. 
But until we actually see that happen, it is a bit of a leap of faith. The more obvious solution right now when they don't have a left back would be that he plays on the left wing there. Um, because then he would have that width to put balls into the box for Haaland and Cancelo would operate as an inverted fullback. That does make more sense. However, I cannot see Grealish not starting the season given how well he started and the fact that he's played the majority of minutes. So it's like a catch-22 situation. I think Foden will be on the bench to begin with, but I think he will work his way in. And we have to kind of hope, if you're going for Grealish, that that is for Mares. I think. You know, it is a leap of faith at the end of the day. Moving forward, I do still think that Foden is the best option if you want an attacking midfielder from them outside De Bruyne. And if you're looking to spend the money, obviously it's him. Otherwise, I think Foden, you know, his non-penalty expected involvement per 90 was actually above De Bruyne again. I I really, really like him. Um, So, yeah, it is more of a leap of faith with Grealish at this moment in time. Um, How do you feel about it? Because I've had him in my drafts in now and I've seen him for a few people. Are you willing to take the plunge on Grealish? Because I think it is appealing for the first few weeks, given their fixtures and the fact that you think he's probably going to play. Um, he's not currently in my draft, but yeah, I'm definitely tempted by it. And he would be the one I'd go from go for, not just because of what you've said there, but from a budget point of view as well. He's that a little bit cheaper. Um, and yeah, everything you've said there about him being unlucky last season, particularly in terms of expected assists, like in in the Premier League, I think it was his assists were about half of his expected assists. Maybe it was like three and six or something like that. But that was um, even higher if you looked within uh, competitions outside of the Premier League as well and it's not like expected goals where you can then put that down to oh, maybe he was finishing poorly or he's a poor finisher that's bad luck <laughs> it's a, it's another it's a goalkeeper or it's a, the, the player he passes the ball to making the mistake so I, I think we can definitely expect him to have a good season and um, Pep just like Pep likes a dribbler on the wing he likes someone who draws players and it's not necessarily that they then um, take a player on and cross the ball every time it's that they draw players towards them win a free kick or they then play the ball out and it creates spaces um so i think that's why like that one of the main reasons Pep likes Grealish personally based on like previous teams he's managed as well um but also he just creates chances doesn't he so i I think he's a very good pick not currently in my draft but i'll be i think rethinking Diaz based on what you've said about the defense as well yeah, I don't want to put people off too much there. I think Diaz is all right to begin with, and he could just stay in. He could just stay in. It's just the fact that Stones is is not too far away, and Diaz is being managed. Pep has said that he is being managed after that injury slightly, and he's only played, I think, a half so far. Um, I was going to check that. And um, also, he, he um, like something I've noticed that Pep does is that he sometimes gets a centre back pairing. Maybe maybe one of the defenders is out injured, so he st- sticks with two. If they do well, he just keeps playing them. So there's been periods in se- I don't know if it's last season or the season before, but there's just been like Laporte and Stones for quite a few games in a row, mm-hmm. um, and then one of them will drop out and Diaz comes in, for example, and it goes well, and then they keep them for a few games in a row. So yeah, you know, like if that goes well in the first game of the season, like I don't know, would you be surprised if 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 that is the lineup for the Community Shield in the first couple of games? Would you be surprised if that goes well to just see no. that be the the, the common centre back pairing? No, not at all. Exactly what I said. Yeah. If they're performing well, then there's nothing to say they won't stay in. Like I say, I'll repeat that I think Diaz and Laporte is the preferred one, but there's nothing okay. to say that that can't change. And it's happened, if you, you only have to go back and look at Man City's centre-back pairings over a number of seasons now, how even the very main men like Laporte can suddenly disappear and then come back and, and anything. It does happen quite regularly. Um, mm. That's why I like Cancelo. I mean, at the end of the day, he plays, I think you're paying the extra money for the security as well, which wasn't always the case for him. He plays on both full-back positions and he plays inside and outside. So he just gives Pep every tactical option available for every game. And that's what Pep's all about, right? So I think 
he he is worth paying the extra for personally. Yeah. Um, I haven't even touched on some of the others like Alvarez is probably the, I think Alvarez is the only player in the team who who can play on the right side and is right footed. Mm-hmm. Now this whole inside outside thing, obviously the players can like Grealish for example, the goal that he set up for Haaland, he's playing on the left, he is right footed, but he he cut the ball back with his left foot for Haaland and he scored. It's not like these players are terrible and can't use their opposite foot. So he may have to again make do with what he's got um in that in that sort of situation, but it's just that the instinct is always to cut in for those players, right? And he would prefer sure. that inside outside. So I think signing that left back is imperative. I think that um, the fact that everyone in his front line, apart from Alvarez, even Palmer is left footed, is a bit of a problem, mm. especially when right Carl Walker is your right back. Now, it may take a little while for them to sort themselves out. And like I said, the preseason's not been great for Man City or anything, but ultimately, this is Man City. So even if you sort of take 10% off of them, 15% off of them, is it going to make a massive difference? You know, it remains to be seen. But if you cast your mind back to last season, um, you know, they weren't great in the Community Shield. Game week one against Spurs, they weren't great either. Um, so it might take them a couple of games to get up to speed. But, you know, is that enough? <laughs> you, you, you might not know this from memory, Luke, but generally when, generally the last friendlier team plays is against a tougher opposition, or often their last friendly against a tougher opposition will be the, the starting eleven that starts the first game of the season. Can, can you, from memory, can you remember how similar the team was last season in the Community Shield to in the game week one team a week later? I can't remember offhand, but I think it was pretty close. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't be one. surprised if it was the same. Yeah, yeah, and and again on that note, I mean Grealish signed and people didn't expect him to go straight in, and he just started straight from the beginning. Part of that was necessity. So just to touch on Alvarez again slightly, again I know I can go on forever about this, but um, he's obviously raw. He's come from the Brazilian league. We don't know how good he is here. Um, it might surprise people to hear that he is actually older than Haaland, slightly. Um, let's not forget that Jesus came from Brazil and came straight into the team and replaced Aguero from day one. So what I'm trying to get out there is if Alvarez is showing every, everything right in, tra- in training and there's been good, you know, Pep's been bigging him up as well. He's played um, some minutes already. He's played in both games, 70 minutes in the first preseason, 40 in the next. If he needs to use Alvarez because he's right-footed, right-wing, for example, or even the last 20 minutes front, then he will do that. He'll do that if he needs to. So if he's ready, don't, I wouldn't be totally shocked if he just suddenly starts playing. Like, it can happen. And this is, this is the overriding message for me. is like, I love Man City options. I think you can take a chance on Grealish to begin with. I think the Foden will become it. But you just have to be prepared for anything. We all know this. And um, there's nothing to say that once... Once he changes it, he doesn't like what he gets and then he leaves it that way for a while. But it's, yeah, we're all guessing here at the end of the day. We are guessing because so much has changed. That's why, for me, the options are Cancelo, Kevin De Bruyne, Grealish and Foden, if you're willing to gamble a little bit, and obviously Haaland. We've already talked about Edison and Diaz, who I also think are pretty good options. But that's not groundbreaking for anyone, I don't think. People are probably logging and say, like, who's definitely going to play? We're never going to know that. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say for sure. Um, about any of this stuff, but I will say that, like I've already repeated, I think Grealish is a good punt and Foden will probably become the guy that you want eventually. But yeah, is there anything else I haven't covered about City? I'm, I'm conscious I've sort of gone on and on about it. No, mate, it's all, it's all good. Um, I would just say, like, lastly on Haaland, um, there's been like some comments from Pep. Well, there's been two things that like, came out a few days ago that people like panicked about. One was, I think, is, is fair. Pep talked about the fact that. Um, it will take Haaland time. Now, whether he, whether that means suddenly that Haaland will um, not start certain games at the beginning of the season, I don't know. 
or whether it just means that he'll play less minutes. Um, I'm not sure, but I feel like we kind of knew that was the case anyway. Um, another thing is that there's a quote uh, from The Athletic. Uh, I think Sam Lee is the name of the Man City Athletic correspondent about the fact that one of the reasons that Haaland joined City was because he wouldn't be expected to play necessarily all the big games. Like he would do it, for example, Real Madrid. They would just play him in every big game. Whereas at City, um, he's way more likely to get the chance to be rested if needed in smaller games, etc. So that's definitely worth bearing in mind. But we've known that since he signed. Um, that that's one of the main reasons that he joined. Um, and then I would say as well on Haaland, if you're like one of those people now that's going out and out of your team and just keep switching between Kane and Haaland, just wait for the community shield. I think if Haaland plays the majority of that match, you can be pretty safe. You can be happy starting with him, like for sure. Um, whereas if, if Haaland plays, let's say Haaland just plays a half, then I'd be nervous and I'd probably be starting with Kane. Yeah. If I had to punt, I think he's going to get 60 to 70 minutes, probably around yeah. 60. I think that's what most people expect. Um, that's would, no, would, that, would that be enough for you to then start him in your team? Uh, for me, yeah. But yeah, again, it's, it's down to every individual, isn't it? Um, yeah. Kane is certainly a very, very good pick as well. So yeah, It's quality. Uh, absolutely. Um, someone said in the chat there, how does it look without Haaland? Well, obviously Alvarez is there. Depends quite how ready he is. I know I just picked him up, but we're not sure. But otherwise it will be Foden. And that's the beauty of Foden that I didn't really mention is he can obviously play all three of those positions. So I think Foden needs to play the last 20 minutes up front in the false nine, then he will do. Um, Ake will play there, I've heard. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, he, <laughs> sco- he scores goals, Ake, occasionally. We've seen yeah, right. Get him in. He, he yeah. does the job. <laughs> Um, I'll tell you what, I'm going to switch it around so I just give myself a rest I've been chatting non-stop so we're going to switch to Spurs and Arsenal here um, which I'm going to bring up now on the screen and you can talk through if you're happy to Arsenal before I go back to Spurs and then we'll, we'll do it the other way um, so yeah, Arsenal and Spurs are up on the screen for you mate Yeah, sure I'm just waiting to let me just quickly get it up so I can see it um, Yeah, so in terms of Arsenal again, similarly this is a team I put together that's more based on generally what I think the strongest team is so I realised that um, some of these players aren't fit potentially to play game week one. Um, so for those listening, that's Ramsdale in goal. Um, the back four is Tomiyasu, Ben White, Gabriel and Zinchenko, uh, Jaka and Partey in, in a two in midfield. And then Martinelli left wing, Saka right wing and Erdegaard behind, um, behind Jesus. Um, so this is based on uh, chatting to a friend um, who supports Arsenal. And then based just a lot on kind of what we already know uh, based on last season as well. And there's just a, a few things I wanted to, to, touch, to touch on again that I think are interesting. Uh, in terms of working from the back forwards, uh, in terms of Ramsdale, I've actually seen him creep into more people's teams. Um, this is just based on what I've seen on Twitter. Um, and I, I can see the obvious, the obvious reason for that is the fixtures. But I would, what I would say about, about Ramsdale is if you actually look at Ramsdale's underlying data, and that's post-shot XG conceded, so that's a, a measure that takes into account the quality of the shot faced. So the, the the speed and direction of the ball towards the goal. He's one of the worst in the Premier League and actually one of the worst in the top five leagues in Europe. So I don't think he had as good a last season as a lot of people think he did as a goalkeeper. Mm. Um, although there was a period where he was brilliant and particularly brilliant for FPL wasn't there. So I wouldn't be, personally, I wouldn't be that confident starting with Ramsdale. Although his, his minutes are certainly secure. <laughs> don't think that's anyone's concern. Um, so that, that's just my, my opinion on that. I would be looking for, particularly because he's five, isn't he? I think Ramsdale. Um, Ramsdale's five, yeah. I, I yeah. looked at him myself, yeah, just to potentially cover it as well. So, yeah. yeah. So, that, that, so that, that's the reason I would probably avoid him personally. Um, and also, I think with goalkeepers, I touched on this last week. I don't think save points is a good reason to buy a goalkeeper personally because I think they're so unpredictable. 
Um, because you're essentially then buying a goalkeeper that plays for a team that concedes a lot of shots and is more likely to concede goals. I think that you've got to go with the fundamental of clean sheets first because who that keeper will be, who whenever they get a clean sheet, gets a load of bonus and save points is actually really unpredictable season on season, I found. So two seasons ago, it was Martinez. We didn't see that last season. Um, this last season just gone, it went through phases of, at one point it was De Gea even for a few games. At one point it was Ramsdale that everyone owned and was it was like hauling for a few games, etc. So that's the reason I wouldn't go with him. Um, moving on to the back four. Um, I said the, the thing to mention here is for game week one, if you think about it there, there's, there's Saliba, who's pretty likely to, to start game week one based on, that's yeah. mainly based on like opinions of Arsenal fans I've read on Twitter. And that's due to injuries to, well, the injury to Tom Yassi, um, which means it's likely that Ben White plays right back um, and then Saliba fills in at right centre-back. Um, so that's worth bearing in mind. And the other reason for that is, I guess, that Tierney, in theory, could maybe switch and play on the, the other, on the other uh, side, which I think he might do sometimes for Scotland when Robertson plays left back. Um, but he's not he's not fully fit at the moment. So it's likely we see Ben White at right back. And <laughs> it's, it's really funny, I think, because when the FPL released the prices, uh, they released Arsenal first and Ben White was 4.5. And like FPL Twitter was like in uproar, like, oh, they've made the game so easy like a top six defender for 4.5 he's going to play every week and then you fast forward a month later and he's literally in no teams mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like the most fpl twitter thing ever um and that's partly to do with the rest of the other cheap prices um in terms of those guys in, in terms of minutes like i think gabriel's certainly like the first choice center back um and the strongest center back within the team and a really really brilliant player and actually has some goal threat as well so i think that five point that 5.0 price is yeah, it's certainly fair above Ben White. And also it's worth bearing in mind that Saliba was on loan last season at Marseille and actually had a really, really good season. Um, there's been rumours, I don't know how true they are, that Marseille have been trying to re-sign him as well. He played almost every game for them in the league. Um, and so because he had such a good season, if he then fills in at centre-back and does a really good job, who's to say that Ben White gets back in? Now, he probably will. I'm, I'm, again, from, from seeing the opinions of Arsenal fans and from watching last season where his season was good, I'd imagine White and Gabriel are the main two, but who knows? It's not as secure um, as Gabriel. And then on Zinchenko, I think it's an interesting one because, again, you've got uh, Tierney to come back. I was going to say Paul Tierney, then I realise he's a referee. Uh, Kieran Tierney <laughs> to come back. Um, and he can therefore play at left-back and Zinchenko potentially plays in midfield, I guess. Um, and that's not just speculation because Zinchenko is similar, like he there's a, uh, yeah, Alaba um, has, has always played centre midfield, doesn't he, for Austria, and then plays as a full-back. It's a similar thing with Zinchenko, for those who don't know, at Ukraine, he plays in centre midfield. Um, and that is, like, certainly is possible. Um, so there's some quotes here I wrote down from Arteta. Uh, in pre-season, he said uh, he can play in both defence and midfield. He was a natural number 10 early in his career, and we converted him into a left-back. He's talking about when he was at Man City, uh, which can do a lot of things that we want in our way of planning. And then he says this, that, that versatility is something that's going to be important for the team because we have players in that position who are more specific fullbacks. So he's talking there about, um, uh, I guess he's talking there about Tierney who can play left back, who's a more specific left back, which means you maybe you see Sinchenko in midfield at some point. You've then got to work out, does that make him more of a goal threat if he's still playing as a defensive midfielder anyway? Or is he more of a threat at left back, which I think is interesting. But... Because of that reason, that makes his expected minutes X-Mins uh, higher than um, Zinchenko. Um, I'll, I'll skip over Xhaka <laughs> and party. I don't think there's anything 
we need Please to do. discuss yeah <laughs> with regards to those two um it's quite interesting actually when i went through like the expected goal involvement from last season for the front four you've actually got well firstly jesus first from his, his ex- expected goal involvement at man city was 0.71 yeah crazy that, high yeah really high and that probably reduces slightly because of the quality around him but his minutes go up so he's there's a reason why he's the most popular pick in the game i think um and i think that uh, another thing that's interesting is you've got Nketiah there, who's actually had the second highest expected goal of involvement per 90 in the team. Um, but you've got to take that in the context of him probably playing against weaker opposition because of him rotating in and often as well coming on at the end of games when players are more tired. Maybe that has an impact on that as well. But he's clearly like clearly a talented player. Yeah, he um, was just he was just flat out good for the back end of the season oh, for Arsenal when he came in. Yeah, yeah, he was brilliant. And so like, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him eventually like get starts. Um, for sure, and then an, an interesting thing with the other three is you've actually got Saka and Martinelli at a really similar expected goal involvement last year. Saka was the better asset for sure. Um, just if you look at them, uh, irrespective of price, he, he, Saka had an amazing FPL season, um, and Saka's expected minutes are definitely higher. But for the beginning of the season, um, like someone in the chat there has just said, like Smith Rowe's dealing with a, a slight knock apparently, and um, so that makes. Martinelli's chances of starting really high and we know anyway from last season like there was a period where Smith Rowe would come off the bench and score and Martinelli just always started the next game so I think we can be quite certain that he's uh, first choice so I think that's interesting Erdegaard like I don't particularly like him as a pick Luke I don't know if you have a particular opinion on that it just doesn't is this no this is lack of like shots well there's lack of XG I think he does shoot a fair amount from outside the box I guess yeah, uh, but it's hard to justify him when you've got Martinelli there. I think. No, he's a nice player, and it's a it's a it's a decent price. So I'll never say never, but his numbers just don't bowl me over. I mean, they're not bad. It's 0.38 um, per 90, which is decent. You know, it's, it's not bad at all. It's just about uh, relative to the other options again, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I don't totally hate it. I just think that Saka and Martinelli are better options. Um, yeah, like I say, lovely player and always open to the chance it can change. We've had players in this sort of position similar in the past, like Tadic and even Ericsson at certain stages of the career, where they've kind of, um, or even David Silva, and these people have been the assister of the assister, they get that kind of tag. Um, I don't, I think he's kind of a little bit in that vein, but the numbers, are, like I say, the price and the numbers are, are actually okay. So I am open to it. I just prefer other options. Yeah. The, the thing that strikes me there about the team more than anything is, especially if Saliba starts centre-half, which I think he will, and Ben White goes to right back at the beginning of the season, um, obviously that could stay that way. Um, it's just that how comfortable nearly everyone is on the ball in that team now. Um, I think he's worked it really well. You know, Zinchenko, we know he's incredibly comfortable. Gabriel's always been comfortable on the ball. We know Ben White, that's part of his thing. Saliba is apparently, I'm not, I can't say I've seen him myself, but apparently very good on the ball. Xhaka is... You know, he's a playmaker. He is decent on the ball. Party's decent on the ball. Odegaard, obviously. Saka looks after it. Maybe say Martinelli, you know, he's probably the outlier there, but that's not really his game. And I'd say Jesus, you know, being at Man City, um, compared to most other forwards there, he's not terrible on the ball either. He'd certainly be better than most, you know, the other striker options they would have on the ball. So I think, you know, people say call him sort of Man City light with Arteta there. I think he's getting closer and closer to that. I think that we're... um, I think they're going to be really good, to be honest. I just can't see how that team is. It looks really good. The weak yeah. areas to me are clearly just the, you know, the Xhaka and Partey. If they lose one of those, it starts to be a bit of a worry. But then you just mentioned maybe Zinchenko comes in. If Tierney's fit at left back, you could argue that's not a dramatic loss. In fact, you could argue that might even be better. So, 
yeah, it, it's looking good, isn't it? Well, then obviously they've got the um, the backup in the likes of you know, Pepe, Vieira and Smith-Rowe and Nketiah all across the, the front positions there. I know they're in Europe as well, um, but that's going to be needed as a result. So I think I think it's looking really good for them. Yeah, and that was another player I wrote down, Pepe, like his expected goal involvement is really high, but he just plays, yeah, either in, in Europe or like League Cup games. Or comes off the bench like weight of opposition is a is a part there, isn't it as well? Yeah, yeah. He he played like he played seven hundred minutes last season. That's it in the league. So don't yeah, I don't think anyone's considering him anyway. So I'm not doing no. him a favour by telling them not to. Um, but I just just don't worry worry about him as a threat. And then one thing I'll just mention that I mentioned last week but didn't have the details for is like the penalty situation because penalties are so important uh, for FPL assets in general because you're. You're, the team can have an awful match, but they win a penalty and then you've got a return, basically. Um, and I think there's a lot of... I think the fact that Martinelli's probably on penalties is like massively under the radar. So I looked at the actual details of those three penalties in the second half of last season, um, which is basically after the three penalties after Aubameyang left, I believe, or when he wasn't on the pitch to take them. Um, so the first one, Saka took, but Martinelli wasn't on the pitch for it. Um, the second one, Saka took... But Martinelli came on the 92nd on in the 92nd minute, and then Arteta specifically said in his press conference that he thought Gabriel was going to take it. And then, and then we saw on the last day of the season at nil-nil in the first half with both players on the pitch in the most important game of the season, if Norwich had happened to get an upset against Spurs, that Martinelli took it. So I, I think Martinelli's on penalties. That that would be my guess. Um, yeah. And we know Jesus's record isn't great with penalties as well. I believe. No, um, for me, so I, I think that's like I, I think that's like really under the radar. Sorry, mate, I interrupted you there. No, 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 it was me. I often do that. Sorry, it's um, I'm, I'm with you. I think Martinelli, with the information we've got right now, we have to assume Martinelli's on it. I just think Jesus, big signing, Man City, the big I am. There's a chance that he just says, "Look, I'm on it," and I don't know. I mean, but does this even matter? Is this narrative? They're both from Brazil. He's the more senior. Do you know what I mean? Is it one of those? Let me have it, mate. <laughs> At the end of the day, the manager's going to decide, right? I think so. Um, yeah, it's a bit of speculation there. I don't think Saka's penalties were particularly good when he took the Moa lad. Um, I know yeah. there's probably a little bit of a hangover there from uh, from the World Cup as well, right? Because he missed. But um, mm. yeah, I don't know. That's a detail we will find out. But I, w- I would bet that Martinelli's probably on them. Um, there's also the factor that I bet you the first time they get a penalty, Martinelli's been subbed and then we don't get the answer. That's usually what happens in these situations, right? And someone else takes them. Um, yeah, should we move on? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Okay, let's go. Hello, Robert Ducky, quack, quack. That's going to sound really weird, weird on the pod, isn't it? He is in the chat if you are confused. <laughs> Sorry, right, let's see your room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, let's move on to Spurs. Um, I'll try to be quick because uh, we're going on quite a bit, but. On the screen, we've got uh, Hugo Lloris in goal. We've got Romero, Dyer, and uh, Lingolet at the back. Um, we've got Basuma and Hoiberg in the centre midfield. Doherty and Perisic as wingbacks. And then Kulisevsky, Kane, and Son as the front three. Um, Spurs are quite tricky, I think, certainly in the wingback area. We know that. I think that back three in general is fairly secure. I would say that uh, Lengele, I don't even know how to say it properly, Lengele, he was at Barcelona, um, French international. Longley. Sorry, Longley. Okay. He's not 100%, I would say. I think he's a left-sided centre-back. I think he has been brought in to, to challenge for that position and probably make it his own. I think Ben Davies may start the season there, but he's also had quite limited minutes. In fact, Davis and Sanchez has had the most minutes out of all the options there. He's not really a left-sided centre-back. He plays on the right. 
I wouldn't be surprised if Davison Sanchez actually starts there and then we because of that and then they, they move to this. Um, but I don't think really any of those are particular options. I do think Romero and Dyer, you could look at them because they're secure and Spurs' defence is good and it's a fairly, ch- fairly cheap price. Just the temptation is always to spend that little bit more for a wing-back. Um, before I move on to them, though, Hoiberg, I think, is, is pretty secure. I do think Basuma will eventually take that spot. Whether he'll start there is debatable just because, again, the minutes thing, new to the club. I think Benton Core has got a good chance of actually starting. Basuma mm. will eventually come in. Um, yeah, the wing-back situation, which is what everyone wants to know, I think it's the most appealing position, really, outside of the obvious names. Um, you know, there's two. There's so many options at right-back. I think, given the Emerson Royale, um, we've obviously got Doherty, who is there at the moment. Lucas Moura has been talked up as an option. And they've signed Jed Spence as well. So that's at least four players I can think of that could possibly play there. For me, it makes sense to play Doherty. I think it's a bit of a leap, but... He's played well when he's when he started for them, um, when Conte's been there anyway. He's not the best defensively. But I think if you look at this system and that Perisic, I think, has been signed to be the left wing back. I don't think there's any debate there. I think it's more about the fact that his age and obviously the fact he's just joined with the only things that will kind of hold him back from being the, the main starter in that position. If he's going to be, he is predominantly right-footed. So if he cuts back in on his right foot, Doherty drifts in, Kulusevski, we know... Um, more hugs the line, is more of a creative player. So it makes sense for Doherty to float into that space. Obviously, Kane will come very deep um, from that graphic. He's almost playing as a you know, 6, 8, 10, anywhere between there, really, uh, most of the time. So that makes sense, I think, for Doherty to start there. Whether he ends up staying there will depend a lot on his performance, and there's lots of options. So it is very much a punt on the expected minutes there for Doherty, but I do kind of like it to start the season. I think there are other options you could move to. I think you could start with Southampton game with him, hope he plays. It could do very well, and if it's an issue, maybe sort it. It's not ideal, but I, I think the upside is there where you could consider it. Mm-hmm. Similar to Perisic, I think that um, they've got one more preseason left uh, game left. I think so. There's a good chance he starts that. I think there's a good chance he might come back into the template quite a lot if he does start that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just think he's a he's a really really good option. And again, I'm just going to switch to uh, review here quickly if I can manage to work this out. Let's go to review. And hopefully you guys can see this. It's quite small. See if I can make that bigger. Oh, that doesn't work. Let's switch to defenders. Okay, so if I saw uh, the top 50 defenders review again for the first six game weeks, and we saw it by the total points, okay, we can see hopefully on your screen there, we've got the obvious names at the top, Trent, Robertson, James, Van Dyke, Cancelo. Uh, Perisic is right up there. He's literally, where is he? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So he's in tenth position. But the interesting part is the expected minutes column. Now, he's on 59 expected minutes, whereas everyone above him is in 70s, high 70s, 80s. Um, his points per million, very high, 0.64. The punt, the punt is, it's not, this isn't groundbreaking, is it? But it's fairly obvious. If you were to adjust those minutes, if you think that you can get above you know, the, the hive mind, if you're a better predictor of the minutes, or I think I expect these will, will actually go up if he plays in the, in the last game. The moment you start adjusting that, he starts to jump up this list very, very rapidly. So people are are often in FPL, I think, happy to punt on a player that doesn't have the best stats. It's like, okay, I've got a feeling about this player. I'll bring this player in. You know, if they do well, people lord it, and rightly so. You know, it's part of what the game's about. You know, it's about fun. You bring in a player and he does it, smash it, well done, Maverick pick, you did brilliantly. But, but I think sometimes people ignore players where 
it's more a punt on the minutes. We all know if Perisic actually plays, he is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So if you're able to judge that and catch that, I still really, really do like him as an option. Um, and there's been numerous examples of this in the past. You've got like Gareth Bale, for example. You've got Aguero even. You could argue maybe Haaland will start to go down that route. There's players where if you're uh, Mares, he does go both ways. Mares, you can do this and he's just a tragic. That's happened as well. I'm not going to pretend that it's always going to work. But I do really like it. I think it's a really, a really good position there um, in the team. I just think the whole system is structured really well. I think if we go back to it, Sun generally sort of, he starts on the left-hand side, but he will drift into those central areas and it gives Perisic that option to just cut in a lot of the time. So I'm just a massive fan. And my inkling is always to go for these kind of players and hope that I can spike early on with one of them. So you have to try and talk me out of it, I think, Sam, because he's probably <laughs> not going to be optimal just based on the fact that his minutes are probably too low. It'd be interesting, interesting to see by gaming one whether it's you that's taught me into it or me that's taught you out of it because uh, for those listening me and Luke are very probably similar players in terms of the date the fact we're data driven and the, the resources we use to make decisions but often very different in our conclusions and in terms of risk taking I'm, I'm a bit of a wimp <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that, I think that'll be interesting and I, and I think you've touched on the right players there they're, they're the interesting ones um You've touched on in terms of minutes like Son and Kane, we don't really need to talk about. We know they're brilliant assets within the game. So no. whether, you, whether you can get them in your team or not because of other big assets, that's another thing. But we know their expected minutes are high. Um, and yeah, Kulisevsky is a really interesting one, isn't he? Because he, he was so good last season when he started, um, when he came into the team. And like even like even if he's looked at his performance on the last day of the season, it was so good. Um, so you can see why he's got the price hike. But I wonder if, that's still, yeah, I wonder if they've just increased it that little bit too high because of some of the other pri- the other players around that same price, maybe. And, yeah. Uh, and the minutes thing as well with Rich Allison and like seven more yeah. as well, maybe having minutes. But we'll see. Like, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd like put anyone off it. It's not, it's by no means a bad pick for the Sesky either. I think it is a bad pick. I think it's a bad pick. Ducky's He's, in the yeah. chat and he loves him, and I've, I've seen him saying that. I don't know. He 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 could be a very good pick. At the end of the day, he's a, he looks like he's a very good player. I just think his historical numbers aren't the best. I think he overperforms in terms of his returns. I don't think it's sustainable to return at that level. Um, and the price is, you know, compared to some of the other ones, I don't particularly like it. That doesn't mean I don't like him as an option for the first few games because they're, they're fantastic fixtures. I think when you add on Richarlison is there, I do think, you know, Richarlison generally plays on the left or up front. I think that's just a Europe thing. Sun's going to come off as he always does, which I wouldn't, you know, shouldn't put people off in the sort of the last sort of 10, 15 minutes. And they'll probably go to Richarlison. Obviously, they need to give Kane a break ever they will do. But I think, again, that's more just Europe and stuff. So it's debatable whether Richarlison would actually affect Kulazewski that much. But I do feel like there's a chance there, at least, that he could do. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just I think he's OK. I think he's a fine pick. I just don't think he's the best pick, personally. I oh. yep. The only thing I'd say on that is even though he like massively outperformed his underlying data, but like actually by like almost double, uh, he outperformed. He it was the underlying data was still pretty high. Yeah, like, it was still 0.5 expected goal involvements per game or per ninety. Mm. It's still really high, even though he like out massively outperformed that. So they priced him just based on the outcome of the goals and assists. He'd be even more. Mm. I I just think they've slightly overpriced him. But I understand. Yeah, I understand your reluctancy because of minutes. But I guess I'd be less. Uh, I'd be less worried about Mora, I think, and more confident in them just using Richarlison as a substitute, particularly initially. Um, but yeah, interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Conte's a factor here. I, I, you know, I, I appreciate he has made some players with not the best stats in the past perform. I'm just 
more a person that generally believes that they'll regress to the mean overall. And I think this, that's probably what's going to happen. Having said that, like I said right at the start, the games are very good. He looks like he's going to be starting the season. I don't have any issue with anyone picking him to begin with. I just, I'm talking long term. I don't think he's the best option at that price bracket. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say. I don't really want to discuss Sun and Kane. I personally, I love Sun as a pick, and we've been through it a little bit. I think at that price, he becomes difficult, and that's all I'm going to say about it, really. That, that's, we've gone through this before, and it's very hard to make a team with Salah, Sun, Haaland. Like, I, I understand why he's in people's teams, but I just think... Look, I'm, actually, I'm going to say this, right? So Sun's overperformance, we know that he does that. We know that some players have got this historically. We know players like Messi have done this in the past. So we know it is a thing that can happen and continue. In my mind, I'm always of the opinion that eventually that won't carry on. Am I right in thinking that? I don't. I genuinely don't know. I think that when you put his price up and the chances, is there a chance he gets better than he is in terms of his overperformance? His numbers could go up in general. Fine, I accept that. But surely, if anything, it's more likely to regress than it is to carry on. Or... Am I just way off there? Because he's always overperformed, so we can take that as the standard yeah. and it won't drop. I, I genuinely don't know. Like, uh, I would, yeah, I think you've got to compare it relative to what how much he normally overperforms. Mm. So it's not true that he'll, like, every player will, although it will generally happen for all players, um, it's not true that every single player will eventually regress to the, their XG because some players are just world-class finishers and some mm-hmm. is one of the best finishers in world football. Um, but I would still say that last season, particularly the last like ten games, he outperformed that XG to an extent that was unsustainable. Like it was insane, <laughs> to, to be honest. So he'll probably still out, still outscore his XG, um, like he always does. It just won't be to that same ridiculous extent that it was for ten games. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not true that all players will eventually regress to that mean because um, mm. some players are better finishers, and Son's definitely one of those players. But yeah, the extent to which he did that. So we can we'll see it regress relative to the end of last season, um, I would expect. Yeah, and again, that's not. I love Sun, and I think you couldn't ask for a better game, really. Southampton, especially, we know that they can play a high line. So if they continue along that vein, um, you know, Tottenham are one of the teams that you would say are primed to take advantage of that situation. Yeah, um, yeah. And he and he is. People are saying in the chat that he is basically the striker in the system. Absolutely, he's the striker in the system. Really, um, you know, he is without a doubt, and he's a very good option. It's just comparative when you look at the other players, like for example, Salah. Basically, we want to go Haaland. I think it becomes very hard to fit him in. And it becomes um, hard because of fixtures as well, doesn't it? As well, like City and Liverpool's fixtures are better than Spurs. So, I think if there was a if you switch them, say Spurs had Arsenal fixtures. Something would be really, really interesting. I think comparing Son to like Salah, if Salah had, if Liverpool had like the second worst fixtures in the league and had like Chelsea first game, Man City fourth game, for example, I think then it becomes interesting. But because it's comparing him to Salah, De Bruyne, Haaland, wherever you're going, um, but also on top of that, you've got the ability of the player, but also the better fixtures. I think that's mm-hmm. when it becomes, yeah, really tricky. But in general, even if they were the same price, I prefer Kane. Um, I know how good Son was last season, but I just yeah plays slightly more minutes, and I like the fact that Kane's on penalties. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. love your penalties, don't you? But it's, it's, I'm, I'm fully aware that there might be some bias in my thinking because he's not in my team. So we start to make reasons and justifications as to why he's not in your team, right? Mm. I'm, it's it's not like that sure. for me. I appreciate that is there. I love I love Son. I think he's a very very good option. It's just I, you can't have them all is basically the expression. So I'm resigned myself to looking at his points once again from afar and being upset nearly every single time he scores. But. <laughs> 
It is what it is. Um, yeah, I think that's that done to death, really, from Spurs. Should we move on? We've got Chelsea and Liverpool left to go. Liverpool, go on. Just, just, just put anyone at ease. We're not going through all 20 teams in the Premier League. We're no. not going to be here until tomorrow morning. No. Um, I can't remember if we mentioned at the beginning, but we're going through the top six teams. Um, top, well, well, they are the top six teams. Actually, so that's where they finished last season. So people can laugh about Man United, but ultimately they did finish sixth. Yeah, so suck, suck on that, Man United <laughs> haters. Um, yeah, let's go through Liverpool then, mate. They were these two teams of yours, so I'm going to kick back now and just relax and listen to you. Um, I think at least in Liverpool's case, it's a little bit easier, isn't it? Probably a few spots up for debate. Yeah, um, I think there's just a few spots up for debate here. And it was very easy to put together like their best, or like, again, generally their best 11. Um, and I, I live in Liverpool, so I could chat to a few people about this one. Uh, who watch them more regularly than I do. Um, don't need to discuss Alisson. Um, I don't think we need to discuss Trent either. We know that he's like, how ridiculous he is um, in terms of his goal involvement, let alone the fact he gets clean sheets on top of that and the fact he's only um, eight, is he? Um, yeah, just own him. <laughs> uh, Robertson, we know is going to be uh, playing regularly at left back. Now, there's a couple of Liverpool fans I spoke to that think that this season, Simicast will probably get more minutes and that's just just because... Ultimately, he's he's getting older and becoming a better player. And maybe over time, just Klopp starts to trust him a bit more. Um, but I don't think that's something at all to be worrying about in the at the beginning of the season, if you're going there. But maybe that'd be more of a factor towards the back end of the, end of the season than it was this season, where we maybe saw him dropped or saw him play Simicast maybe two times, maybe three times over Robertson. Like maybe that will be slightly more. Um, Van Dijk, I think, is just as nailed as, as players come in the team. Um uh, and the, the reason for that is he's probably the best centre-back in the world. Um, and it's interesting just, yeah, who will play with him? I think, like, Matty, in my opinion, is, like, is pretty nailed. But they do have a few other players who can play there. And Konati's an interesting one, because last season we saw uh, Konati play in... Um, the Cups. I think every, uh, yeah, like, all the Cups, but not in the finals is the interesting thing. So as soon as they got to the the final so within the champions league final and also the uh which ones was it was it the league cup or the fa cup final one of those as well he then suddenly dropped informatic so i think that's interesting as well that he's definitely like he trusts uh kunati but he didn't play the league cup final or the champions league final although he got them even though he got them there yeah um, i think there's but, a chance they switch but from what we know at the moment you have to put matic there i think right yeah he, he definitely i think that's definitely first choice uh, but Kanati is a very good player. Um, but Tomato is such a funny one because I know a lot of the models actually really like him, and um, particularly relative to his value. But he's always a tricky one to justify because you're, it's pretty likely that you'll have a um, like two Liverpool midfielders and a defender, or you'll have Robertson and Trent. Um, so yeah, I think I think Matip is preferred not only in the league but also in, in those big cup finals, which gives you even more confidence in him. So he's nailed. It's just having him like relative to uh, yeah, the other players you'll have on your team from Liverpool and what that takes away from it, basically. Um, so that's all I'd say there um, as well. And then in terms of midfield, I don't think any of them are FPL options. Um, they're the three I, I put there that are maybe like to play on Saturday, I think. Fabinho, Thiago and, uh, and Jordan Henderson. Um, and, and yeah, I don't think there's anything to touch on there. We know that Salah is... Um, nailed uh, on the right wing. I don't think there's any, anything to indicate he's going to play centrally again, like we've seen in some previous seasons, um, just because there's uh, no one else that is regularly going to play on his level on the right wing uh, at all. 
Uh, now Diaz, I think, is really, really interesting. So if you if you look at the expected goal involvement from last season, Diaz is, is 0.59 uh, per 90. And actually, he was only in the league, he was only benched five times. Um, which and that's five times while Mane was at the club. So I, I think that's I think that's interesting. And I think he's pretty nailed going into the beginning of the season for that reason. The fact he was still he started a lot of games last season, Diaz, since he joined and did well in them. And that was while Mane was still there. Um, so I think that Diaz was probably bought in yeah, in January as the Mane replacement on that left wing. And therefore Jutta is the one who's more at space centrally, uh, him and uh, Darwin Nunes basically. Um, and then based on Liverpool fans that I've talked to, they seem to think the same thing. Yeah, that Diaz was bought to be the main left winger over Jota, for example, and Jota will just occupy that central role. And yeah, that's where it becomes really interesting because Jota, again, like last season, how many goals did he score? 15, I think. Yeah, he's a, Jota's amazing when he's on the pitch, yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. So he's like, again, his expected goal involvement is not far off Salah's per 90. They're both Salah's 0.89 last season, Jota's 0.82. It's the, the key thing is minutes. And I think when he's fit, like I wouldn't it's gonna be really interesting. It's just something I can't call. It, but it's really interesting to see whether it's him or Nunes that plays there. I guess it'll depend on Nunes's uh opening games, how well he does. Like I I I just don't know the answer to that. I don't want to just like <laughs> No. I th- I think Firmino might even start the season, to be honest. I think one of those two. I th- I I do think that Jota's just because they've signed Nunes is more likely to feature on the left because they don't... I mean, Carvalho could play there, but I think he's still quite yeah. young and raw. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think we might see Jota come on on the, on the left. I just think Diaz is definitely first choice on the left. That's all I'd say. Mm. Because Jota's more... Oh, I don't disagree. Flexible, and, yeah. So and Jota's... The update today was that he's a long, he's still quite a way off with his injury yeah. as well. So it's just not, not anything we need to worry about. And as a result... I'd argue that's probably more of a negative for people who believed in Diaz, if you know what I mean. It's almost like um, now there's no reason not to go there, whereas before there might have been. So might put some people off. Yeah, but, um, I really like him. I'd love to see Bobby Firmino play more as well because he's such a great player. And we just hardly saw him play last season. He only played 990 minutes in the league last season, which is like such a drop-off from him being like such a core member of that team. And I think a lot of that was just down to how exceptional Jota was for that first part of the season, I guess. yeah. Partly injury as well. He started to get yeah. more injury prone for Lino, yeah. it seems. Um, yeah, it, it, that's it. You're right. I mean, the Matip situation, I think he's probably nailed, but it's debatable. Maybe he could switch that round at some point. People thought the Canate might come in originally. It didn't happen. Um, so, yeah, he could switch it around. Canate League, Matip Cups, but I think Matip's probably ahead at this point. Naby yes. Keita could come in the midfield, but it's not fantasy relevant particularly. Yeah. And then, yeah, that front three, I think Firmino Nunes is debatable to start the season, but the other two look pretty nailed on. So um, there's not too much to discuss there, is it? We know the way Liverpool play. Everyone knows that. They've watched him for a number of years. doesn't look like it's going to change. You could debate that if Nunes is going to be um, uh, more nailed and play more games, then the loss of Mane, the adjustment to him, you know, not playing Firmino might, might be a factor. Um, I just can't see it being enough of a factor uh, yet to to worry about it at all. It's something that maybe after eight, nine, ten games we've played all of them and the numbers are you know, totally different to what they were. Then maybe we start to worry, but I can't see that yet. So it's not it's yeah. not something I'll concern myself with. Yeah, uh, the last thing I'd say is ultimately they've lost one attacker and they've signed three since January. Sorry, two since January. So they've got an increase in the number of attackers in the team. So I wonder if. Um, in previous seasons, and not last season, but we've actually seen them play a 4-2-3-1, which means you can play four attackers within the same system. And two seasons ago, that was Firmino actually playing behind 
Salah or no behind the behind the striker, whoever it was at the time. Um, I think it might have been even Salah playing centrally. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that allowed them to play Jota and Mane, from what I remember. And I think, yeah, maybe we'll see that later in the season. Who knows? Just just speculation because there's a lot of options in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could be absolutely. Um, should we move on to Chelsea? Let's do it. So they're um, arguably harder than City most of the time, but maybe it's a little bit clearer this season. Maybe. Tuchel Tombola. <laughs> um, okay, this, I found this one quite tricky. I spoke to a guy um, um, who Luke recommended our chat through, to, called, through Twitter. Called, uh, he's called Phantom Mantle on Twitter, uh, Gary. Um, big, big Chelsea fan and good at predicting their teams. So um, he was really helpful. So I wanted to give him a quick um, shout out. Um, again, from back to front, um, sorry for those listening, Mendy, Koulibaly, Thiago Silva, Shalaba, uh, at right wing back, James and Chilwell, Kovacic and Kante in the middle, Mount, Havertz and Sterling up front. And again, this is a team in general that we probably think is at the moment their strongest starting eleven. In terms of what's interesting, that one thing initially is Thiago Silva because of his age um, and his ability to play multiple minutes. Um, I think Shalaba actually had a really good season considering he was like his first consistent exposure to first team as well last season and despite the signing of Koulibaly because they've lost Rudiger and Christensen I just think I think we'll sign them see them sign another defender I just think they have to they're certainly trying yeah because they've tried to get Kunde haven't they um from what I've read it seems like he's maybe going to go to Barca now I'm not sure if that's gone through but they're definitely after other centre-backs it just feels to me like an absolute necessity as well there's also Saar who can play at centre-back but it feels to me if like an injury prone prone Thiago Silva gets injured Suddenly it's not optimal. Uh, Astor Laqueta is still there as well, who can potentially fill in. You make, you might get James at right centre-back um, as well um, at, at some time, but I don't think that's going to happen regularly based on what we've seen in pre-season I, as well. I, I don't know. I think Really? Are you um, worried about that? I am. I'd be lying if I wasn't. I just don't think Chabala... Uh, he's, he's not completely trusted. He had some very good games when he first came in and then he kind of fell out of favour. And then you've got Astor Laqueta apparently wants to leave who obviously would be the person who we saw last season occasionally wouldn't well, obviously play the centre-back role, but sometimes play the right wing-back role to put James in the centre-half because he wasn't, didn't even fully trust him there, I don't think. Sure. So it's, it's yeah, it's dicey. I do really think they need someone in. Um, I still might be willing to, to, you know, he's currently in my team still, James, to risk him. I say I say risk. Um, but it's, it's a worry. I would love to see them sign a centre-back just to secure my feelings there that he won't end up playing that centre-back role. The, the other yeah. option is if, if Aspilicueta does want to leave, you know, who's he going to end up playing right wing-back? There are, suddenly there are players in the team he could play, but I don't think any of them are a, a great fit either. So it's it's tricky. So from an FPL point of view, like the best thing is they sign a centre-back or two and Aspilicueta leaves because he knows there's no potential rotation at right wing-back um, and no threat yeah. to James. So that's like the ideal, I guess. I think they will... It's based, based The fact that I think James... I'm probably more confident than most that he plays most of his games at right wing back is because I just think they will sign a centre back, maybe even two. I was talking to another Chelsea fan yesterday who was saying they need they need two really, like not even uh yeah, they don't they don't it's not even that they just need one, they need to get two and sorry, someone's just said in the chat there, Nick, that Kunde has actually signed for Barca now, that's official. Is it? Well. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a blow then. Yeah. Well, they were, they got in for Fafana today as well, apparently. I think that would be a great fit. I think he's a very good player. So that, that for example, would really help ease my fears. But you already touched on it. If Silva gets injured, which can happen, and, and Koulibaly could get injured, anyone could get injured, they're suddenly quite light, aren't they? Um, yeah, definitely. 
This is why I think they've talked about the the back four, which he has tried in preseason as well, and that just didn't work against Arsenal. Um, yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean he won't carry on and try, but at the end of the day, if you start running out of centre backs, he might be forced into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was the only other thing I was going to mention regarding the formation was yeah, the fact they tried that against Arsenal. Seeming, I've only seen the scoreline. I've not watched the highlights, but it's seemingly an absolute disaster based on what I've read about the match as well. Um, in terms of the midfield too, again, not FPL relevant, but some people would probably put uh, Gallagher in there instead of Kante based on just some pre-season minutes, maybe for some games he'll play there. But the, the the thing I would say about that is Gallagher in pre-season has been playing very deep. So if you're thinking that Gallagher might eventually become an option, um, it seems likely that if he does play, it will actually be as one of those two. Um, and so the Gallagher that would be playing at Chelsea would be completely different to the Gallagher at Crystal Palace. Mm. Um he was playing really advanced, like as a number 10, basically, wasn't he? Um, yeah, he was at times. I think Gallagher will end up getting decent minutes simply because everyone else in a centre midfield seems to be so injury prone. I don't think he'll start off at first choice because um, the manager said he kind of has to learn the role. I think, I think how can you... Kovacic is pretty much nailed, isn't he? He's just like, he's the best player. He's, he's the best player there. And Kante, he's obviously world-class when he's bang at it. It's just the injuries and stuff. So I would have thought yeah. that's, the, that's the, the, the primary two, yeah. I think we're just about beyond like we've gone beyond like Kante being absolutely ridiculous now haven't we he's still a very very good footballer when he's like fit and playing regularly but he's not quite at the same like outrageous levels he happens to, to us all Sam have you not seen <laughs> these hairs man they're going great and everything I'm not running more I'm still in my prime mate <laughs> yeah no fair enough <laughs> um I would say as well on yeah in terms of the front three um Mount is like to me seems absolutely nailed Sterling, I think, has been bought in. Like the one of the reasons he wanted to leave City is that he wasn't playing regularly. I would assume, um, and Havertz is the interesting one. And what I would just say on those ones, if you look at their, if you look at Havertz, Mount, and Werner, for example, their expected goal involvement is all like identical per ninety. They're all about 0.55 per ninety. But Mount's minutes are going to be so much higher than Havertz and Werner you'd expect. So I just think if you're going with a pick there, Mount's the one to go with. And he's, you know, obviously the midfielder in the game as well, where Havertz isn't. So I wouldn't consider Havertz for that reason, just because you've got Mount as an alternative. But just, I think, is Havertz 7 and Mount 8? Or is Havertz even more than that? I think Havertz is 8. I, I think he is. Is he 8? Um, yeah, I, I um, think he's just not an option when you've got Mount. Let me check that. I'm pretty sure he is. That shows you how sure. little I've looked at him as an option, but I think he is 8. And Sterling uh, I wouldn't start the season with, but that's purely from like, I'm talking from my team point of view. In terms of budget, I can't fit him in because I'm going with Salah and Haaland or Kane. And I mm. want the certain strong defenders I want. But again, I wouldn't put anyone off starting with Sterling. Like, independently as an asset, I think he's going to be brilliant. Like, if I had to call it now, I think if anyone had to call it now, you'd guess that Sterling will be their top scorer at the end of the season. Um, probably, yeah. Probably, yeah. Like, he's just an outstanding footballer. He's scored in previous seasons, 20 goals in a season, back-to-back. And he, back-to-back, I think he scored 19 and 20, or 20 and 21 for City one season in the Premier League. And that's with reduced minutes. Like, he's absolutely a world-class player. Um, and, yeah, yeah. and he, he, he's not just a goal scorer as well. Like, we saw that assist he got. We basically won them the league for that first Gundogan goal on the last day. He's it's not, um, it's not rare. He does that and gets him behind to the byline and cuts it back if he ends up playing on the wing. Mm. Um, so, that, I th- yeah, I don't think there's anything else I need to add about them. Um, but I think they're just, like, definitely there's some uncertainties there and there'll be a lot of, a lot more rotation than compared to the sum of the teams. Um, 
In fact, if you actually split it by expected goal involvement per 90, the two top players are Kennedy and Ross Barkley, <laughs> who God, presumably, presumably we played about 45 minutes, but happened to get an assist or a greater chance. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I do think um, there's a little bit more clarity in terms of, I say this, we, we just said two shots on Bola. I think it's a little bit easier to begin the season. I'd be fairly confident that outside you know, the non-fantasy relevant picks, I think the Mount Sterling Habits front three and... James and Chilwell, whether they whether James will play wing back is debatable. But I think those are fairly nailed. On Alonso, he has played quite a lot of preseason minutes, and Chilwell probably hasn't played as much as people would would have thought that he would. Um obviously he did have that big injury, so that is a slight concern for people. So that is a worry. I do think Chilwell might be one where we just have to wait and see a little bit. Um, I don't know. I think that probably is the safe play. My my inkling is that Chilwell just comes in and plays and is great, but it feels like a little bit too much of a punt given what we've seen in preseason so far. Um but yeah, the Sterling thing I just wanted to touch on. Interestingly, on review, which I've got up on the screen, again, this is for the first six weeks. This is the free version. It's very, very big on Mount. It's got him highest for, uh, between the Chelsea option, this is, it's got him highest for total points. And obviously, as um, Sterling is 10 million, he's obviously points per million is higher as well. I just find that very interesting because I would have expected Sterling to trump him, given these 2 million more and his record. Um, I think the main reason is Sterling's actually quite low on the minutes at the moment for expecting 72 minutes, um, whereas Mount's 79. I I wouldn't be surprised if Sterling's minutes were, like you say, pretty pretty high. I think that's the inkling I get is that Mount and Sterling will be a lot more nailed in those positions. And that might benefit Chelsea in the main. I know there's a lot of negativity around Chelsea at the moment, just generally because of their performance, the manager throwing them under the bus a little bit, lots of players wanting to leave, you know, all, all of these factors, but I think at least in those two spots, it looks a little bit more secure than it has previously. Because I would say outside Mount, you never quite knew who was going to start, even in that um, centre-forward position. Um, yeah. I think right now, Werner wants to leave as well, apparently. So Bashwai is the backup, I've been told, for oh, yeah. Yeah. for uh, for Havertz. I mean, that doesn't sound fantastic. So therefore, if anything, that helps to nail his minutes a little bit more as well, right? So I think where they've lost in some areas, I'd expect the minutes for Mount Sterling and Havertz to be reasonably secure. So um, that's at least one positive. Great. Um, should we call it, call it there, Luke? Absolutely, yeah. We've gone on, haven't we? So um, we tried our best to cover all the teams, guys. Um, is there any questions? I see you've put that in the in the chat there to see if anyone can do it. There's a bit of a delay, though. So yeah. um, maybe we can ask answer them afterwards if you want to. We've got one through here. Triple City, too risky for game week one. Cancelo, Holland, and Grealish. To answer that quickly, from my point of view, no. <laughs> no, I don't think it's risky either. Absolutely not. I think that's I think that's fine for game week one. Beyond that, Grealish is there's a slight question mark. The other two, I wouldn't question. And again, try and view them independently as picks rather than three picks from the same team. Whether that's risky. Um, and we've finished like just in time for half past nine. So if any of you are listening now uh, and don't know, FPL Black Box is about to go live um, as well at half nine. So do go over and join those guys. Um, also, um, if you head over to our Twitter tomorrow, I'll share our league code um, also so you can um, yeah, try and win our, our mini league uh, that we put on. And then also, hopefully for next week, uh, yeah, hopefully the like the full um, massive data model will be out for FPL review. So uh, we can focus on that um, as well. And we'll be, uh, yeah, it'll be live on YouTube at eight again on Thursday, but it will be a premiere. then. so we're, we're having to pre pre-record next week. Um, as well and please go over and uh, follow us on Twitter subscribe to us on uh, on YouTube or on the podcast app you're using as well and yeah thanks thanks so much for listening we really appreciate it it's been 
crazy the amount of listens and stuff we've had on YouTube and and on 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 the podcast. So yeah, really appreciate it. Thanks. Absolutely, just have to echo that. Thanks a lot, guys. I can see there's been some extra questions there. I'll just try to answer those in the chat so um, we can close this off and then I'll, I'll speak to you in the chat if you hang around for a little bit. Thanks for joining us. Catch you on the next one.